Hi everyone. So this is Easter Sunday on Saturday. So it's a little bit of a difficult mental shift, but that's all right. We can do it. Let's just tell you a quick prayer before we start. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you for your goodness today. And we thank you especially <coughs> that we can celebrate your rising from the dead uh, as your people here. And Lord, we just ask that you would be glorified in this time and that we might be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get you to stand and let's sing.
defeated the grave, raised to life, how God is able, in his name we overcome, for the Lord, how God is able, lifted up, defeated the grave, raised to life. me we're just going to um pray for the situation and people in ukraine just for a moment can i just say quickly uh, we have a website set up if you want to give for that um should be a card on your seat there that has the address have people have been having a few technical problems with it but it does work if you're having issues with it um just make sure you give to the ukraine part uh on the website not the tolly uh, the family tolly that uh, the, the missionaries there that we're working with. So just persist if you're having trouble, it does work. Well, let's pray for that now. Father, we want to continue to pray as we have been praying the last couple of weeks that you would bring these hostilities to an end. We're still asking for that, Lord. At the same time, we just want to pray, especially for your people in the midst of that situation that they might know your peace. They might know your provision and protection, that you might care for them there. And we just ask out of this uh, horrible mess that you might bring people to yourself. Lord, we just know where, um, where things are bad. You're, you're always there somewhere at work. We just ask that you would make yourself known to people and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Get you to sit down, have a take a seat. I want to, I want to welcome you to our Easter services as we begin right now, and we worship the resurrected Lord. And my name is Ben Johnston. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm delighted to welcome you and also those who are joining us on our online services. We are delighted that you can be a part of this celebration, and we need to celebrate. So you remember the traditional greeting of Easter, right? We all know that. In Greek, it's just one word, but we have to use three words. So I'm going to give the three words, and you have to give a four-word response, right? Here it is. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Well, we do want to uh, not only welcome you, if you're visiting with us or a regular with us, we'd love for you to fill out a Connect card. There are some on the seats. Or you can go electronically, so you'll see on the screen behind me, or you'll see on the seats in front of you, there is a QR code that you can use to register your attendance. And that's always helpful. The other thing is we 
are always welcoming prayer requests. They go to the elders, to the staff, to the deacons, and it's our privilege to pray with you and for you. The other thing that we do, primarily online, is our giving, and our giving is an important part. It's a response of worship to our Lord, and so I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. If you'd like to give physically, of course, as you go out to the left, there's a little box, but most of us are going to give online. But let's just ask God's blessing upon all that's given, and the purpose of it is to glorify God and use it for his service, his worship, his ministry. So let's pray. Father, we have recognized Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And therefore, we are followers of Christ, and we joyfully give to the risen Lord, and we want his name to be exalted in this world. Lord, we thank you for this church and the ministries of this church and all the things that come out from this street corner, but also for the missionaries that we get to support and the Christian efforts that are going on in this city and around the world, we thank you that the gospel is going out. And Lord, I pray not just for this church, but for every church that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would bless our efforts, and that even this weekend, many people would come into the kingdom of God, and that they would be welcomed into God's family. Lord, we pray your blessing upon each gift and every giver, in Christ's name. Amen. I think those are all the announcements I have. If there's another one, oh, just one more. Hour of prayer, it's coming up. And you'll notice that on the 20th, it's coming up uh, soon on that Wednesday. So if you'll just mark that on your calendar, it's one hour. Great, important hour for us to pray together. And that's coming up. And then I'll have another announcement later on in the worship service. But I do want you to know, uh, Jeremy mentioned there's these, the, for the Ukraine appeal, if you have any questions about that, the, uh, the uh, little pamphlets are on the back table. So that's where they're available for you. Thank you. Good evening, church. Uh, all the primary school kids, it's time for you guys to head out uh, for your kids' church now. If you're visiting with us and you have primary school age children, um, we do have uh, kids programs that run for them concurrent with the service, so you can feel free to take them up now. And I will be bringing the first reading for tonight, which is from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. If you were with us for our Good Friday services, you know we looked at various scenes as we followed the story of Jesus. And 
where we left him on Good Friday is where he was in the tomb. And we're going to pick up the story from there and look at various scenes as we continue to engage in the Jesus story. I do want to uh, just give you a moment just to prepare your heart to hear the story of Jesus once again. And you might think, well, I've heard this before, and I even know the Easter story, but let's allow it to be fresh and new to us. Pray that the Spirit of God would be at work in your heart, that you would sense the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, and the celebration of what it means to worship the risen Christ. So let's just pray silently for a moment. Our dear Heavenly Father, we recognize this is a story that never gets old. We want to once again enter into the story, engage with it, allow the reality of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Lord, Savior of sinners, to once again impact our lives and to remind us of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for all who are here and for those who are listening to me, that they might know that hope. Bless us now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. So we'll keep a, a similar format to our Good Friday format. There will not be one sermon. There'll be a number of devotionals in each one in a different place. And if you notice the first scene, it's the tomb. And the tomb, we're going to think about that in just a moment. It's empty. Let me begin with this story, though. James Hewitt tells the story of when he was driving his little daughter to get Easter shoes. So she is three years old. She has an Easter dress, an Easter outfit, and now it's his assignment to take his daughter, his three-year-old daughter, to go get Easter shoes for her new outfit. And in the back seat, he hears, you know, she's in the child seat in the back of the car, and he hears his daughter say, Daddy, I can't wait for Easter. Yeah, she's just three years old. So he says, Nicole, do you know what Easter means? And she says, yes. And so he says, well, Nicole, what does it mean? And he stopped at a light. He's looking in the rearview mirror at his daughter, and he sees his daughter raise both of her hands up above her head, and with a big smile on her face, she says this, surprise. That's what it means, surprise. That's a great one-word answer to what does Easter mean. I think it's a great answer because Easter has many surprises. It's not what you expect. It's not what you think it might be. What I want to do is look at four not-what-you-think moments in Scripture. And I want to think about an application for us at the very beginning. Why is it so important? We live in a world right now, in 2020, that is looking for hope. There's a pollster, George Gallup, who observed this, and I'm going to quote, people in many nations appear to be searching with new intensity for spiritual mornings. One of the key factors prompting this search is a need for hope in these troubled times. Now, he's a pollster. You've heard of the Gallup poll. The point is, I want to make 
He made this statement before COVID. He made this statement before the invasion of Ukraine. And yet we recognize this statement is absolutely true. People are looking for hope, for stability, because we live in uncertain times. We know that there's instability in our world. We pray regularly, daily, for what's happening in Ukraine. We recognize that there are now millions of refugees that have lost their homes, have moved away from everything they own, and now their lives are uncertain. We recognize in this nation that we're in a season, a political season, and we don't know the, what the future will hold. We look at the economy, we look at what's going on, and we think that looks a little bit uncertain as well. What we need, what we need to think about is this, I need hope, I need stability, and that's what Easter offers. It starts on Sunday morning. The first scene, the tomb, it's empty. So it's the first day of the week, according to Luke 24 in the Gospels. It's early in the morning. The women took the spices to anoint the body. In Mark's gospel, the women ask each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Then in Luke, I don't know if you noticed, there's th uh, three very uh, quick surprises that take place as these women are there at the tomb. First, they found the stone rolled away. That's a surprise. Second, they entered the tomb, but they could not find the body. That's a surprise. Third, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Now, angels, as you know, are often depicted with wings and a halo, but Luke simply calls them two men, but their clothes gleamed. The women are frightened. They bow down to worship. But the biggest surprise is not what they see, but what they are told. Here's the biggest surprise. They ask this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The women think Jesus is dead. That's a reasonable thought. In fact, many of them saw Jesus crucified on Friday. The blunt fact, so the angel speaks out and says this, he is not here, he is risen. Now they're in a graveyard, they're at a tomb. That's where dead people are. And the angel is basically saying to them, why are you looking where dead people are when he is alive? He is risen from the dead. The central idea of Easter is this thought. Again, one word in the Greek text, just one word. We need three to say it, but in Greek text, it's just one word. He is risen. That's the central thought. It is the hope of Easter. It is the celebration of Easter. It is the joy of Easter. It is the promise of Easter. It is the traditional greeting of Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So what is the not-what-you-think moment in this story? The not-what-you-think moment, the women are told, is you may think that he is dead, that's why you're looking for him in a tomb, but he's not. He is risen from the dead. Therefore, he is the one who is able to bring 
hope into your lives. He is not here. He is risen. Okay, just stand. Let's sing again. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree
ですね Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. We come to the second scene. Now we're in the garden. The person of Mary, and this Mary is sometimes mistaken with Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany is a sister of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, but this is Mary Magdalene. So she comes from a small town near the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. Sometimes, and, and this was a bad rap for, for Mary uh, Magdalene, uh, she had been called in church history a prostitute. There's no record of that. There's no sense of saying that. What we do know, according to Scripture, is this. She had seven demons, and Jesus freed them, freed her from those demons. And so she became a follower of Jesus Christ, and she was there at the crucifixion. Not far from the place of crucifixion is a tomb. It belongs to Joseph of Arimathea. Look over at John chapter 19, and I'm going to begin reading just in verse 41, and, and take a, a look at what it says there. John 19, 41. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So we know it belonged to Joseph. They lay him in that tomb, and it's not far from the side of the crucifixion. For those who have been to, to Israel, and you're familiar with the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there are two spots there. One is Golgotha, the other is the tomb. They're not that far apart. They're under this basic same building. And that's what John is saying, is they're very nearby. And there at that tomb, very close, is a garden. Mary doesn't go to the wrong tomb. I just want to point that out. That is sometimes, maybe they got mistaken. No, she didn't go to the wrong tomb. She was there at the crucifixion. She saw where they laid his body. They knew, she knew which tomb to go to. But she weeps at the tomb, and she speaks to the angels, and she saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. 
Now, we can ask that question. Well, if she was a follower of Jesus, why didn't she recognize Jesus? And obviously, there could have been some supernatural thing that would hide Jesus from her, but there's a very human perspective that we can look at. She's weeping. She's bleary-eyed. She doesn't have clear vision as to who she's looking at. The other thing is this. We know that she's in great grief. She, like a lot of people in great grief, might not even look up to see the face of the person speaking to her. She just knows that she is in great sorrow. Jesus asked two questions. Who are you looking for? And why are you crying? And then we get a glimpse, we have this glimpse into what Mary's thinking in her mind. She thinks that the body has been moved. And so she says, the body apparently has been moved. Obviously, dead men don't get up and walk out. If you've taken it, let me know. And then she thinks that he is the gardener. Now, that seems reasonable. Who else would be in the garden so early in the morning but the gardener? So it's a reasonable assumption. Uh, the great artist Rembrandt painted this scene, and I love this depiction of the resurrection because it says, it's the risen Christ appears to the Magdalene. Now, some people who have looked at this painting have said, you know, here's Jesus, and you notice he's got this broad-rimmed hat, and he's also carrying a small shovel. No wonder she thinks he's the gardener. He's got a hat where he can work all day, just like the big Bunnings hat, and he's got a shovel in his hand. Um, the other thing is just even his general appearance, one person said, you know, he, he looks like he's in an unwritten Mozart opera. He just comes out of that scene. But he appears to Mary Magdalene, and she thinks he's the gardener. Jesus speaks to her. And then he speaks in a voice that becomes very familiar to her because he simply says this, Mary. Just one word, her name, Mary. She hears her name, and she recognizes this is the voice of the one I have followed. This is the voice of the one who cast the demons out of me. This is the voice of my Lord. And so she simply says, Rabboni, which means teacher. So here's the not-what-you-think moment. Mary sees Jesus, and at first she thinks he's the gardener. But he's not the gardener. He's the resurrected Christ who calls her by name, just as he calls us by name, and he calls us to follow him. He is Jesus. Definitely need to stand for this one. I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. 
shame he's taken away. My pain is healed in his name. I believe. I believe. I'll raise a banner. My Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is healed in His name. I believe. I believe. I'll raise a banner. Conquered the grave, my Redeemer, Chapter 24, verses 13 to 18. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? So we will have four not-what-you-think moments. The first one is this. They went to the tomb early in the morning thinking that they would anoint the body, but he is not here. He is risen. Mary goes to the tomb and again finds an empty tomb. 
But Jesus speaks to her, and he is not the gardener. He is the Lord. And now we're on the road to Emmaus. This scene has changed. And there are two disciples heading out from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometers away from Jerusalem. The two disciples are walking to Emmaus. They're talking with each other about the most exciting current event that has happened that day, those things that they had heard about. As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Here, I I take it that there was something that, again, God just did not allow them to see, to recognize who Jesus was. Jesus will question them, and they will give their perceptions on the events of the day. Look, continuing in that passage, Luke chapter 24, beginning verse 18 again, and we'll pick up that story because it's important. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What a great lesson. Wouldn't you want to be there when Jesus just goes through the whole scriptures and explains, here's where Messiah shows up. These are the prophecies. This is what needed to be fulfilled. So Jesus explains to them the Old Testament prophecies, beginning with Moses and then going through the prophets. I think a very important passage that he's going to talk about is going to be Isaiah chapter 53. That's the passage on the suffering servant. I think Jesus spent a prolonged period of time with that, and and we've talked about that because we've done Scripture at Subi. And at Scripture at Subi, we learn this passage, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The suffering servant takes the iniquity of all of us on himself. That's what happens. He suffers for us. Then I'm going to move over to verse 11. After he has suffered... 
he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Don't you understand this? The suffering servant had to die as a sacrifice because all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were pointed to something. The blood of bulls and goats never forgave anyone, never saved anyone. They kept pointing to a sacrifice. John the Baptist would look at Jesus and say, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That Passover weekend, the true Passover lamb was Jesus. And Jesus explains it to these disciples who he says, You're really slow on this, aren't you? The suffering servant is the one that we're talking about. The Lamb of God is the one we're talking about. The one who would take our sins upon himself is the one we're talking about. But not just that. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He got it. Later on, their eyes will be opened. And they will recognize Jesus as Messiah and Lord. So here's the not-what-you-think moment. They thought Jesus was an uninformed traveler. He just didn't understand current events. Jesus turns the tables and he says, no, you're uninformed believers because you don't understand the scriptures, who they were pointing to, what had to be fulfilled, what Messiah would do. He's not an uninformed traveler. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He is Jesus, and he is Lord. I'm just going to close this section with a, a poem by an unknown author, but I really like this, and I think it's appropriate. The tomb could not hold him no longer, or could hold him no longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ arose that resurrection day. Messiah would be raised from the dead. stand this is my revelation Christ Jesus crucified Salvation through repentance at the cross on which he died. Now hear my absolution, forgiveness for my sin. And I sink beneath the waters that Christ was buried in. 
John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We come to our fourth and final not-what-you-think moment. This is, uh, we look at this as the upper room. They assemble there once again. And we know that Jesus has revealed himself to the disciples. But Thomas, one of them, wasn't there. And, and here's the testimony of the other disciples. We have seen the risen Lord. But he makes something really, really clear to them. I am not as gullible as you are. Basically, he puts it this way. Unless I see, unless I put my finger where the nails were, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I am not going to be easily persuaded. Now, the other disciples, they might have seen a ghost. It might have been wishful thinking. It might have been some illusion, but not to Thomas. He knows better. He knows that just doesn't happen. Jesus appears. And the request to actually, go ahead, Thomas, touch my hands. Put your hand in my side. And it forces the question that we need to ask, and it's a very important question, did Jesus physically rise from the dead? Was it just wishful thinking? Is it some illusion? Is it some spiritual resurrection, as some will preach on Easter? Was it just a vision, a wish? In the ancient creed called the Apostles' Creed, which has been stated for decades, centuries, nearly two millennium. There's a statement that goes like this. The third day he rose again from the dead. Now, many people have asked the question, why do people, why do they say again? Why do they put the word again in there? Because we know the word again can mean a repetitive action. I rang the doorbell again and again and again. It's a repeated action. But again can also mean a restoration to a previous state. For instance, if I said, I woke up last night, but then I rolled over and went to sleep again. Again is not a repeated action, it's being restored to a previous state. So what that ancient creed is trying to say is this. This Jesus, who was crucified, dead, 
was raised to life, the same life he had before the crucifixion, he is raised to life again. He's returned to a previous state. He is not dead. He is alive. Jesus comes and he stands among them and he offers his hand to Thomas. Reach out your hand. Put your fingers in these nail prints. If you're doubting, go ahead and do it. And then the challenge. Stop doubting and believe. Thus, we call him Doubting Thomas. But he doesn't remain Doubting Thomas. Did you notice that? Jesus asked for faith. And there's this dazzling moment there. And we just have to imagine it in our minds. When faith is replaced, skepticism. And worship replaces doubt. The not-what-you-think moment is very clear. Jesus is not a ghost. He is the bodily resurrected Lord. The one who was crucified has been raised from the dead. The response that you notice here is worship. And it's very clear worship, and worship only belongs to God. We know that. He says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. He's God, Thomas says. Worship is a natural response to faith. Genuine faith will always end up in genuine worship. Thomas tells us that Jesus is more than just a great man good teacher, inspirational leader. He is Lord, and he is God, and he is worthy of worship. And when we believe, doubt is replaced with faith, and worship becomes that natural response to faith. Did you notice there's a blessing there? That Jesus himself actually gives a blessing in this context that can extend into the 21st century to us. He says this, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I hope you're blessed. I hope you're one of those. I hope you're one that through eyes of faith, you have seen the resurrected Lord. We haven't seen him like Thomas. Jesus doesn't come before us and says, here's my hand. You see it? It's been nail pierced. Here's my side. You see it? You can put your hand there. But we believe the words of the apostle, the teachings of the apostle, the skepticism of the apostles, but now the faith of the apostles that Jesus is my Lord and my God. He rose from the dead. His death was a sacrifice for sin. Look over at Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And again, another scripture, Subi passage. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Did you hear that from Thomas? and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Now, Paul says that to the church at Rome, but he also says it to the church meeting in Subiaco. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the blessing of Easter. That's the hope of Easter. That's the promise of Easter. That's the celebration of Easter, and that's our faith. If you are here and you have that faith, you are blessed. We will see the resurrected Christ face to face, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and we will be with the Lord forever. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, here's the good news. That, that offer is made to you right now, right where you are. We're not asking for you to be good enough. No one's asking to be good enough to be saved. We're asking you to put your faith and trust in Christ alone, to believe in your heart, to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you've never done that, this is Easter weekend. This is it. What, what better time could you choose than to believe, having heard this story of Thomas, who was a skeptic, but it was a not-what-you-think moment. He is not a ghost. He is the risen Lord and Savior. I'm just going to give you a moment to pray with me, and I'll lead you in a prayer. Here's what you need to know. If you pray a prayer of faith in your heart, God in heaven hears that. He knows you. He knows your thoughts. You can right now put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord, I believe Jesus came into the world for sinners like me. I know that I am not perfect. I'm not claiming that. But I also know I cannot earn my way to heaven. I need a Savior. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were told there needed to be a sacrifice for sin. And Jesus, you are that sacrifice for me. And today I put my faith and trust in Jesus who died for me. But Lord, I know you didn't remain in the grave. You rose from the dead and you are victorious over sin and death. Today, Lord, I trust in you. Welcome me into your family. Bless me with faith, hope, and love. May I know the peace of God and that all who are in Christ Jesus are born anew. Give me that life. I pray in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me say, if you, you prayed that prayer with me sincerely from your heart, God knows. He, he hears us. He is the living God, and he is the saving God. And Jesus Christ is Lord.
If you prayed that prayer, or you're still curious about Christianity, we are going to be running a course called Christianity Explored. So if you're new to the faith, or you're uncertain, or you simply want to know more about what it is that we believe, there is a card on your seat. Let me encourage you to take that, sign up for the course. You will be blessed. Even if you've been a Christian for a while, you will be blessed. If you know someone who is not a Christian, perhaps they will join you if you just invite them and just say, I would like to go to this course. Would you come with me? And the worst thing they can say is no. But it's a great course. Let me encourage you to be there. For those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper now. This happens in the upper room, but it's in the night of Jesus' betrayal, before his crucifixion. He's meeting with his disciples in the upper room, and he's teaching them various things. First, he teaches them that he will serve them, that he needs to wash them clean. So he washes their feet, taking the role of a servant. But then he takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body. And then he tells him, I want you to take it in remembrance of me. He will establish and institute the Lord's Supper that evening. And then he gives them the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is for you. Take it in remembrance of me. It's intended for all those who are his followers. We do it in remembrance of him. And the Apostle Paul says this, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. So when we think about these elements, we're thinking about the body of Christ given to us. We're thinking about the blood of Christ shed for us. And we remember Jesus Christ crucified, buried, raised. Let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. This is the time to confess your sins, and this is what Christians do. We, we don't deny our sins. We just bring them to the cross of Christ. And we recognize that as often as we eat the bread, drink the cup, we are proclaiming the death of Christ. But we're also anticipation anticipating the return of Christ. Lord Jesus, we just want to bring before you those thoughts, those words, those deeds that have fallen short of a perfect and holy God. But Lord, I thank you that you came into the world for sinners like us. And I thank you that you gave your life for us. And Lord, we thank you that you are victorious over sin and death. And therefore, we have hope. And so even as we partake of the Lord's Supper, may we remember Jesus Christ, our Lord, and experience your peace, your love, your grace, your hope. In Christ's name, amen. As we've been doing in these days, we serve from the front in a COVID-friendly manner. 
I'm going to ask that those who are in the front, five, ten rows, go ahead and stand. Those on the side to the side, those in the center can come to the center. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we'd ask that you not partake because it is a proclamation of your faith. But those who are followers, you are invited to come. If you're not able to come, Rachel is uh, willing to bring the elements to you. So you can be seated for that. Just let her know that you would like the elements. from Romans 10 but what does it say the word is near you it is in your mouth and in your heart that is the message concerning faith that we proclaim if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved there's this amazing promise and we cling to that promise right now. And this reminds us of that promise that we have salvation through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus takes the bread. He gives it to his followers and he says, this is my body. Take in remembrance. Let's take together. He gives them the cup, which is the new covenant in his blood. Let's take together. Pray with me. Father, once again, we just want to say thank you. We think about the Eucharist, Thanksgiving, and we are blessed because Jesus Christ has come into this world. And we give thanks to you, our loving Heavenly Father, for sending Christ. And we praise him as the resurrected Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing our last song together. T. 
for not what you think moments and it's a surprise to those that first Easter that resurrection day but for us it's our life it's our faith it's our hope it's how we live in light of the resurrection and it is a joyful happy day that we have we are blessed and we just need to accept that we are loved by God and we are blessed Christ died for my sins and he rose again the third day we are blessed again i'm going to encourage you to take the card for explore christianity invite someone go pray for it it'll be as you'll notice it's a six-week course it's a great course so encourage people to be a part of that if you have a prayer request feel free to pray with someone near you debbie's up here We'll be happy to pray with you. Father, let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you again for this day. Thank you that we get to celebrate the resurrection. Thank you that Jesus is alive, that he is victorious over sin and death, and we are eternally blessed. Watch over these dear people as they go. May they sense your presence in the joy of Christ this week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Lord bless you. Go in peace.